Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where I'm working your way through who I think are the most relevant players for you to own in Supercoach, Dream Team, or AFL Fantasy for 2022. Number 38 today, after we came off the back of Jaden Short yesterday, Gosh, I found it really hard to separate these two as working them through in the 50 most relevant. And we're going to discuss those two, I'm sure, and more things in detail as we look at Dyson Heppel, the Essendon skipper. Joining me on this episode, it's been a while since we've had him on, but he's back again in the preseason for his second time around the block. I've got Jimmy. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. How are we doing? We're good, and he's an interesting player, Dyson Heppel. 29 years of age. He's actually... He's younger than people kind of think, and that's because if you've played fantasy footy for the better part of a decade, Dyson's been in and around the mark as a really valuable cash cow, had a couple of almost uber premium territory years, and then now has re-established himself as that almost the general of that backline in defense. New position for us this year, mid only last year, now a defender. His top score last year was a 142 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team against the Pies, while for Supercoach it was a 134. Neither of those are anywhere near his career scores. You've got to go back to 2017 against the Blues in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, where he gave us a 156. And against that same team, but just two years later in Supercoach, 2019, a 153. That's his career score. From an average, it's higher than you probably give him credit for. 94.8 in AFL Fantasy, 99.4 in Supercoach. And as a result, he's pretty pricey when you come to think of it. 541,000 in Supercoach, just under 800,000K in AFL Fantasy, and just over 800,000 in AFL Dream Team. Jimmy, 12 months ago, people were talking about Dyson Heppel as one of the better stepping stone options for the year. And he did start a little bit slow, but in, in totality of the year, Dyson Heppel did prove to be a relatively solid pick for coaches that jumped on him last year, especially in AFL Fantasy and Ultimate Footy, where he did pick up defensive status through the year. Yeah, that was the key thing for him, wasn't it? Um, yeah, having a 90-odd point midfielder is, um, as you say, stepping stone territory. When you pick up a guy priced as he was and he ends up as one of your uh, top six defenders, you're very happy indeed. And um, I'll, I'll be honest, coming into this episode, I was um, a bit sceptical um, about um, yeah where he sits in rankings, but um, he, he might be just uh, a little higher than I had initially thought. Yeah, he, he's such a fascinating player when you go, oh, where did Dyson Heppel have, did he have a good year? The, the immediate take was, yeah, look, he was okay. But he just got under the radar after battling back from that injury that really debilitated his 2020 year where he only had three games. He evolved himself into that defensive role and he wasn't the only midfielder that did that last year with players like Jack Siegel. But last year he ended up, based on game averages, ranking 19th in the entirety of the AFL for marks per game and 18th for uncontested possessions. Those are really important stats as we look at what he did do last year and try to forecast what 2022 will bring. 
is we know he loves to get into space. He even did that when he was a pure midfielder. We know he loves to do those little 30 to 45 metre kicks, maybe not take too much on, but just do enough to get us there. Um, he's a very interesting proposition. And as we do look into these sort of 2021 DT AF Supercoach scores, he averaged 95 last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Seven tonnes. Only one really big ceiling game, and that was without the absence of Jordan Ridley. Certainly must capture that. A 142. Two scores, 90+. plus. An additional seven between 80 and 89. But just the three scores under that, and he didn't dip below 71. And so, Jimmy, and we'll talk about his super coach numbers for the year in a moment. He, he was kind of surprising, wasn't he? You go, oh, seven tons. Yeah, okay. But while he doesn't have the ceiling maybe that others have thought he did previously in his career, that nice high basement is really what gave him that seasonal average of 95. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I'm probably not alone in this, but you talk to me about here's what he did last year. And for me, last year, I think kind of expands everything from about the start of when COVID hit in 2020 <laughs> through till about last Tuesday. And so um, when I'm thinking, yeah, what was Heppel like last year? I'm remembering those, you know, those 50s and 60s that he trundled out, um, you know, coming back from injury and struggling his way through mm. um, for quite a while. Um but when you, you look back at what he actually did last year, being the 2021 season, um, it's actually pretty decent. Um, and you think, oh, Dyson Heppel, you know, that's, that's a bit beige. You know, let you yeah. short instead, you know, young and exciting and fast and footloose. And Jaden um, Short, the player we revealed just yesterday kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, and we get very excited about him for a number of reasons. And then um, <laughs> we, we look at Heppel and go, oh, is it? the same but those numbers um with that higher ceiling and um those not not in in those lower ranges scores, mm. um, the higher basement that's the word i'm looking for opposite of ceiling jimmy wake <laughs> up <laughs> with that lower basement and of his scoring um and that consistently to deliver a, a good output day in day out that's um certainly in the salary format so there's a lot to be said for being able to bank on that each round yeah, look, from a super coach perspective, nine tons last year, just the two over 120, had three additional scores, 90 plus. But importantly, his scoring didn't dip under 80 in that format across the year. Um, he did miss a couple of games through a few little odds and ends of injuries, uh, but he ended up by averages in super coach being ranked eighth for total defenders, while in dream team and fantasy, he's currently ranked ninth for averages so he's a fascinating player if you do want to look into his year really the pre-buy post-buy splits are comparable like there's no real big bump um 95 in afl fantasy and dream team pre post buys 93 super coach pre-buy 96.4 post buy 101 but what is intriguing to me is in his first probably six or seven matches up until round nine he did miss a few games around two or three he only had one ton across the formats, but all the rest of his tons came from that point on to the rest of the year. It's almost as if, Jimmy, he grew into this role as this Essen defensive unit learned to structure around him, Nick Hind, Jordan Ridley as the interceptor. And we will talk about a new addition to that side shortly. It's almost as if he got better in that role from the moment in time that he found that sweet spot pretty much from round 10 onwards. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and it is a different kind of role for him, or at least a different part of the ground that he's executing, that same sort of outside, you know, sweeping gathering sort of thing that he used mm. to do in the middle. So it's um I don't know that he's a direct comparison to say Zebel, who's junking it up like no one's business in the back pocket, you know, yeah. ten meters on the side of the goal square, but it's still um yeah, and he's not like a um, you know, someone like Hind who they prefer to have that run and carry out of the back yeah. line than, than Heppel's, you know, dinky little 30 meter kicks because he, he can't do much more, it seems these days. But mm. it's still, you know, he is capable of finding it. Yeah. Um, and more often than not, he uses it well enough that the next guy in the chain is the one that can run and carry from there. So, um, yeah, and you know, it's not as though there's any question about his spot in the team. Um, and now that he's found that role and settled into it, I think that um, there's no real reason for us to think that that's going to change. No, I, I um, think that's a really fair comment. And and it's interesting t- to me is that this is the first preseason that I can recall in a really, really long time that Essendon have been really bullish talking about how well Dyson's doing on the track for the better part of the past four or five years he he struggled to get his way through but now uh, the club are, are bullish and adamant that he's fully fit and firing it's the first chance he's had we're not even two weeks into January yet MJ let's not I, get <laughs> you know me I love a bit of a hype train player um but that's a really good sign for those that are considering Dyson in their starting squad it's the first preseason that he's had training as a part of that defensive unit uninterrupted. Um, That's really positive sign. Um, We know that that ceiling at the moment is not as strong um, as maybe others. And certainly um, that might be for some enough to go, look, he's in the category of the Daniel Rich in AFL fantasy and dream team. Different in super coach. I think he's got ceiling there. He's in the Jaden short territory for some he's in, um, these kind of halfbacks and, and a couple of defenders that we've already spoken about through the 50 most round, you go, they're consistent, but there's not ceiling and I'll opt for the ceiling guy. So, so I think Jimmy, if, if somebody is looking for a, the justification to start him outside of, I love his consistency, there's probably one narrative that you've got to go with. Um, and it's maybe it's two uh, to be fair. Number one, the narrative you could tell yourself is, I think Essendon will be better in 2022. And as Essendon win more games, statistically based off last year, there's a significant increase in what Heppel does. Now, part of that might be linked to some junk time late in some games. Absolutely. But statistically, in the eight wins that they had that he played last year, he was considerably better in the 10 losses. He averaged... 88 um, in a averaged 103, sorry, should I say in wins in dream team and fantasy, as opposed to that 88 in losses. So a, a differential of 15 points per game while in super coach, he averaged 107.5 in wins and 92.9 in losses. So again, right on that 15 points per game, if you're rounding up a little bit. Um, so that's probably one of the narratives of how you justify it. The second would be, Kelly coming into that side to play a little bit more accountable footy, which he kind of did at Adelaide, Jake Kelly, I'm alluding to. The thought you'd be telling yourself is Ridley's the damaging interceptor. Hind is the damaging run and carry player. Heppel's going to just get no attention. 
and they'll get the ball to him. If any attention's coming to a tall or a small, it won't come near him. And so therefore, I think he picks up a little more Zibalesque style scoring. I think that's the narrative you've got to tell yourself, isn't it? If you're going to go and start with him and looking for some ceiling to bump. Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, like I said, it's a, a different kind of role to Zebel, but but like Zebel, he's not the one that you're looking to tag if if you're going to tag anyone coming out of that back line. So yeah. I think there's there's a lot to be said. For, you know, they'll, they'll be looking at the guy that Heppel's distributing to um, yes. or the guy that might be getting it to Heppel in the first place, um, but not, not Heppel himself. So there's certainly capacity for that. But yeah, when you look at just that evenness of scoring um, and that potential, if, if you do think Essendon win more games, and yeah, it's a whole other debate, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah, and we don't count finals, so that's a win. Yeah, but that's true the, for them. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the, that narrative is certainly not an unreasonable thing to be thinking coming into this season. So there's, there's upside to him, which is not something you can say to a lot of guys that are priced around that 95 kind of mark. No, and, and that's the thing. Again, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting a, a really consistent guy in your side from round one. It's more that, oh, I like to look for guys do what I think. Oh, I could get more than what I'm getting out of them, especially if they're not a captaincy consideration, um, which, which Heppel is not. Let, let's be really, yeah, really no, clear. No, no, um, no. You might, you might throw a, a vice-captaincy loophole on Yeah, if the matchup's right, sure. But yeah, you're not, you're not captaining him in, in any format. Yeah, but, look, um, there is a world where he might pick up a few points per game from kick-ins. Um, he only took 33 last year, played on you know, from a large majority of those. I think it was about 80, 82% of when he did get a kick-in. Um, the monopoly is clearly with Ridley. Hmm. And and he's kind of one in every four kicks Ridley takes is what Heppel gets. Then one of every two kick-ins that Ridley does Redmond's the next one with around about 60 kick-ins um, from the year. So if that split levels up a little bit more, that that again could be a realm. I'm always a little, I'm always scared of guys. We on we're, we're starting to draw bows here. I we think, are starting so. to draw bows, yeah. but that's how yeah. you get yourself there. But I do yeah. get scared, uh, you know, on Ridley for a moment. I always get scared for a guy that gets so many of his points from kick-ins. That's always a little hesitancy for me. Um, yeah. that I might see a regression. Well, again, when we're heading down a path of, of anti-Ridleyism, which is certainly not what we want to do, but uh, we're talking about Dyson. But I think those are the, the realms where you find the upside. Mm. Um, he's only in 1.4% of teams in AFL Fantasy, which is the only format open to the public at the moment. That feels like a criminally low ownership number to me. Uh, even if there's no upside to him, even if he just carries on with what he did last year, um, that's a top 10 defender um, across the formats. Yeah. And that that might just be enough to turn people towards it. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a thing in the formats this year where people are slanting more to the midfield and the forward line um, and even the rucks, you know, much more so than the back line at the moment, just because the back line is filled with a lot of characters mm. like, um, you know, those we've mentioned, Heppel and Short and Rich, that we know are a decent um, and are probably going to deliver more or less what they're priced at. Um, and people go, oh, I'll pick him up later. I'm going to go yes. load up 
fine. Um, they're probably filled with a whole bunch of um, you know basement price rookies that probably won't play round one, sure. um, and then panic in the week leading up to teams <laughs> coming out um, later in the year. But it's I think yeah there'll be a bit of restructuring. I think Hevel's ownership percentage is only going to increase from where it is at the moment. Yeah. Um, what I would want to I guess you know we've talked him up a bit about the reasons why we would pick him. Yeah. Uh, the reasons why we might not um, I think um, or and which. Yeah, you know, his injury history over the last few years, as you hinted, he's not had a good preseason no. for a while. Um, you know, for a time he was very durable and played a lot of games. The last few years, a bit less so. Um, and that would be a concern for some people. Yep. Others, um, our good mate Benny, uh, would suggest that if he's injury prone, you either start him or you don't pick him at all. Yes, um, correct. And so, you know, if you're worried about that, then, you know, there, there's a, perhaps a reason that you would go down that path uh, either way at this point. So, I don't know if whether that needs to be a factor or not. He played out last year pretty well. He's had a good preseason. That's yeah. great. Um, you know, he's not the wrong side of 30 yet, much no. as uh, we get the impression he could be. Yeah. Um, you know, that beard's not doing him any favours, I think. But <laughs> he, um, I think, um, yeah, there's, there, it's not all upside, I guess. I just no, there's to- definitely flags there. All it takes is Kelly comes in, the narrative Kelly comes in, Ridley's now free to be the interceptor, which is at his peak. He's certainly the better user of the ball by foot. Um, injury strikes Heppel. Um, Essendon's game style takes takes on a little bit more dare. Um, and, and, and so they don't use him for those uncontested possessions that he picked up last year. Remember, he's top 20 per game in the AFL for uncontested possessions. If he doesn't get that space and freedom in the back line, they're not going to look to get that to him. So there, there's absolutely hesitations that for people to go, oh, look, I just want to watch and see. And others might go, Jaden Short, I like the upside there more. Uh, because of Bashahuli out or because of whatever the narrative that Kane and I talked about on the podcast yesterday. They're both, these two boys are, are really close for me in terms of across the formats, what they could be. There's a world where both push to be a hundred averaging defenders across the formats. There's also a world where they just kind of hover around where they are right now and they pop the odd good game. They won't really hurt you and you probably feel safe to take them on too. Um, those is going to be the interesting things because for me, whether or not people start the Heppel, the short, the, these kind of guys, you probably don't have them at D1, maybe D2, potentially D3. The big question mark about how defensive premium heavy you go is always going to be led about where are the best rookies with job security and scoring potential and where are the best stepping stones with um, scoring potential and cash generation those two things will probably inform a lot of people's starting structures yeah and then they do every year we, yeah. um, we talked about this not long ago as well but um, more often than not you're going to be picking um, a couple of those mid-price players somewhere in your team Yep. Um, you're going to be loading up a certain number of premiums and it seems like it's one less every year than what we had the year before yeah. Um, with the way the magic number changes, but it's you go in with a certain type of structure in mind that changes very quickly once season games start, um, and you start to fill the gaps around the rookies first um, and build into the premiums after. And that I think is going to be a big thing as to whether you end up with two or three of these guys sitting in your your backline to give your team some stability and structure. Absolutely, um, whether you feel confident going one or two of the the really big boys down there and a lot of cheaper priced options 
instead and loading up in a different line, be it the Fords or Mids or Rucks or wherever else. So it's um, wherever else. There's the, those are the three options, James. Can you tell I've not had enough coffee today, can't no, you? It's all good, man. <laughs> it's, it's an early start for where I get. All right, well, let's talk about draft, then about yeah. where he goes. He's certainly yep. going inside the top 50 picks, probably. Um, across the formats, and unless someone's got a weird obsession of drafting defenders with their first two picks, it's unlikely that he's going to be someone's D2. But where's that range of this, probably not the ceiling defenders of um, Hall, Whitfield, arguably you might want to include Lloyd in the ceiling defender category. He's kind of in that next grouping down with, the Daniel yeah. Rich with the Jaden Shorts, the, these guys we've included in the 50. Is, is he going in that similar range where someone might stretch early at the third, but generally the fourth's probably feeling about right to get him? Look, I think that's ballpark is sort of where it is. And, and for me, I like to structure my rankings, not so much in a one, two, three, four, but in that sort of clusters of, you know, these are the defenders I'd like to take around this sort of mark. And and that will have those sort of names in there. And I'd be equally happy in face value um, for a draft, a single season draft, to be getting Hebel or Rich or Short or one of those type of characters to fill that type of spot that mm. ideally is your D2. I can see a world for, um, yeah, he is D1 in, for, for, for a lot of teams in that there's only so many defenders above him. Yeah. Uh, if you don't get one of those, you're taking one of these types as your first. Um, there's a lot of people who go into a draft structure going, well, there's only eight, 10 of those type of defenders that are likely to go 90 plus. Yep. Buff it. I'm not picking any of them. I'm going to go and pick friggin' Jamie McMillan. There's <laughs> 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 a name I haven't heard for a while. That's it. That's it. And yeah, you know, 12th round D1. Perfect. Yeah. You, yeah. You've got seven mids and, and four forwards by then, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah, just punt um, defenders, yeah. Exactly, yeah, and and that will happen for a lot too. But I think overall, structurally, yeah, is um is that sort of defender that you'd be quite happy to have as your first or second sitting there, depending on what else has gone off the board around us and uh, depending on what additional positions uh, UF might grant us in the coming days as well. Um, That's true. It's a very different sort of atmosphere if someone like Nat Fife goes from a, a fourth or fifth pick mid to a first round mid, uh, first round forward rather. Yeah, um, that's you know, true. It changes things very quickly in terms of structure. Um, I can't think of many defenders. Um, you know, in your article the other day, didn't have many listed that would be in that no. upper. So yeah. it might well be the sort of year where, yeah, if you don't get one of these first six or seven guys, you can um, pick up someone like Heppel as your D1, you know, in that fourth or fifth round, perhaps, if you're lucky. So that's, yeah, um, yeah and I take that as a definite win at this point. Yeah, no, fair enough too. All right, mate. Hey, I appreciate your thoughts on Dyson Heppel today. Anytime. If you want to go and check out the article on him or any of the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. All right. Number 38 in the can. We're getting close to a third of the way through this 50 most relevant countdown. Something Jimmy said is very interesting, by the way. The new ultimate footy positions. They're probably just a couple of days away now from landing. The good news is... We'll make sure we share them with you exclusively first here at coachespanel.tv. And uh, hopefully there's a couple of exciting names for us to look at. Jimmy and I might even put a podcast together for you discussing the new players added to the game. Keep checking back every single day at coachespanel.tv, not just for articles on the 50 most relevant, 
but because we will reveal for you those additional positions in the game if you play the draft format of Ultimate Footy. Tomorrow, we continue on our journey as we count through the 50 most relevant. And this guy is legitimately completely disrespected in fantasy circles. He put together a bumper season last year. He's a captaincy option every single week. But don't, I don't see anybody picking him. And not only do I not see anybody picking him, I see people discounting what he delivered last year and just going, he can't do that again. Who am I talking about? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.